Yo, gag! The Gays Against Guns show. Prepare to gag, yeah! Good evening and welcome everyone to Radio Gag, the weekly Gays Against Guns show. This is your weekly update on how to end the horror that is the American gun violence epidemic. I'm Sarah Germain Lilly. And I'm Ty Kersley. For those of you who are new to the program, we're an inclusive direct action group of LGBTQ people and their allies committed to nonviolently breaking the gun industry's chain of death. That means investors, manufacturers, the NRA, and politicians who block safer gun laws. Our mission's... Our mission statement, we work to ensure safety for all individuals, particularly vulnerable communities such as people of color, women, people who struggle with mental health issues, LGBTQ people, and religious minorities. GAG condemns white supremacy, all instances of excessive force by police, and police militarization. Ty, give us uh, our weekly lineup. So this week... Um, we're going to have some GVP news from Josh. We have an emorium uh, from Paul Rowley. And uh, I will discuss some meetings that I've been having with the Biden-Harris transition team about gun violence prevention. Uh, we're on a call every week, and I think it's that's news in itself. So we're thrilled to have you join us. Uh, but first, let's look at the uh, gun violence news. And thanks to Josh. Take it away. And now for this week's gun violence prevention news, I'm Joshua Chaden. Our first item is from the New York Daily News. MTA subway conductor among four men busted in Brooklyn gun trafficking takedown by Noah Goldberg. A Brooklyn subway conductor led a secret double life that careened down a dangerous track, transporting strap hangers by day and supplying weapons to illegal arms dealers by night prosecutors. Vernal Douglas, an MTA conductor and father of five with no prior arrest history in the city, was allegedly caught up in a scheme that flooded Brownsville with illegal handguns. Prosecutors said Douglas made frequent trips to South Carolina to purchase weapons and also had suppliers there send him firearms in the mail. Douglas then sold the guns to Montoon Hart of Brownsville, who would flip the firearms onto the streets of Brooklyn, prosecutors and cops said. Douglas had been out for nearly a year on a workers' compensation claim after being hurt on the job in April of 2019, according to Transit Workers Union Local 100. But he was allegedly making gun deals at the same time he had gone back to work in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic, according to text messages and phone calls obtained by investigators. The alleged firearms deals came at a time when gun violence and murders were surging in Brooklyn and across the city. On July 21st, Douglas was caught on a wiretap phone call asking a contact in the South to help him buy some small guns that Douglas referred referred to as, quote, pocket stuff. Fortunately, though, the guns sold to Hart by the men during the investigation were not used in any Brooklyn shootings because they all ended up in the hands of undercover officers. In total, the two officers bought 44 operable firearms from Hart, according to the district attorney. The other two men indicted, Christopher Hodges and Ira Jones, both live in the South and trafficked guns in upstate New York to then sell to Hart 
prosecutors said. The men were charged with counts of criminal sale of a firearm, criminal possession of a weapon, conspiracy, and other charges. Hart was ordered held without bail, while bail was set at 750000 for Douglas. Jones was arrested in Virginia. Hodges is currently being sought out by the authorities. MTA spokesperson Tim Minton said Douglas who has worked for the MTA since 2017, is not in active service and will remain out until further notice. The following is an excerpt from the Trace article entitled A Historic Surge in Gun Violence Compounds the Traumas of 2020 by Champ Barton, Brian Frescos, and Daniel Nass. Janet Foster lost two children this year. One night in late July, she woke to the sound of gunfire outside her home on the east side of Cleveland. She rushed out the door to find her 22- and 26-year-old sons lying in her neighbor's driveway. Foster's sons, Delvante and Dominique King, were among a record number of people killed in Cleveland this year, making the city one of dozens that battled sharp increases in gun deaths. From Oakland to Chicago to New York City, homicides and shootings crept toward and even sometimes exceeded all-time highs. The sudden upswing reversed decades of progress and provides a prism for the intersecting crises that have characterized 2020. In some communities, Violence was already soaring when the pandemic prompted statewide lockdowns. Philadelphia, Houston, and Memphis tallied 10% more homicides between January and March than it did in the same period in 2019. Social distancing measures have handicapped violence intervention groups designed to keep young people occupied during the summer months. Richard Rosenfeld, a University of Missouri-St. Louis criminologist who examined 2020 crime trends for the Council on Criminal Justice, said another issue was that cities have continued to resist calls for major police reform. Rosenfeld said he expects any spikes in the months ahead to be smaller than the massive surges that cities endured over the summer. Still, this year will end with the largest year-to-year increases in violence and homicides that we've seen in decades, at least, he said. For Janet Foster, who lost her sons in Cleveland, even a dramatic reversal would not bring complete peace. No one should have to carry their children only in memory, Foster said. I'm trying to find a way, trying to figure out how can we get together and stop all this. Our last item is from abcnews.com. Tensions rise inside and outside of Oregon's capital by Sarah Klein. State police declared an unlawful assembly at Oregon's capital on Monday as far-right protesters opposed to COVID-19 restrictions attempted to force their way in during a special legislative session, with some demonstrators toting guns and others attacking authorities. Inside the capital, lawmakers passed four bills, which included $800 million in relief to people struggling from the pandemic and wildfires. Earlier in the day, a group of protesters used chemical agents and bear spray against officers, At least two people were arrested, police said. Outside, protesters banged their fists against the doors, chanting, let us in. The state's Capitol building is closed to the public as part of COVID-19 safety measures. Other protesters walked around with rifles slung across their bodies as state police within armored vehicles repeatedly announced that people must leave the area. The bill that has dominated discussions among Oregon's lawmakers for weeks and drove the immediate need for a special session is House Bill 4401, which focuses on evictions. Reporting from Queens, New York, I'm Joshua Chaden, Radio Gag News. Thanks, Josh Jaden, for providing context with the latest GVP news. Guns are part of our lives, whether we want them to be or not. Thanks for the reminder that when you own a gun, you own a weapon designed to destroy life and intimidate others. Now, each week at this time, we remember and honor a person whose life was taken as a result of gun violence. In memoriam. 
Leighton Owings. Fairmount, Indiana. Leighton Owings, a two-year-old boy, was playing at home while his mother was in another room feeding an infant. Leighton found a loaded handgun, thinking it was a toy. The gun went off and Leighton was struck by a single bullet. He died at hospital shortly afterwards from his injuries. Leighton enjoyed driving around his Jeep power wheel, carrying the mail, blowing bubbles and running through the hose. He loved to snack at the grocery shop, often opening things while in line to check out because he just couldn't wait any longer. He couldn't get the word spoon quite right, so instead he called it moose. Leighton was a free spirit. He loved to take his clothes off and do handstands. Buzz and Woody were his favourite characters. He loved his siblings and had so much fun jumping on the trampoline with them. He also loved to hold his baby sister. Leighton's death was among at least 270 unintentional shootings so far this year, resulting in 109 deaths by children in which they shot themselves or others. Our hearts go out to Leighton's family at this time of awful, unimaginable tragedy. This in memoriam, as are many that we read out here on Radio Gag, was composed and researched by Gag member Sylvan Robinson, who is also the curator of the Gaze Against Guns Facebook page that we dedicate to these lost lives. And you can go to that page at facebook.com forward slash gag human beings. That's facebook.com forward slash gag human beings. And as always, if you have a person you would like to honour on air with an in memoriam, you can reach out to us directly, gag at wbai.org. Hi, it's always tragic when we hear about these accidents. Please help us understand why these deaths occur when they seem so avoidable. Well, I I think in this country, uh, I always say it's not a matter of when gun violence is going to affect you. I mean, not a matter of if, it's it's a matter of when, when when someone you know is going to lose. So a two-year-old, I can't can't imagine. Um, But... it's it's I don't know how many times I've said on this program, you know, they didn't know the gun was loaded. Um, and that's usually what what happens with children, because they are um, drawn to you know a weapon, whether they intend to hurt anyone or not. So having a weapon and having your ammunition locked separately is the easiest thing that we could ask someone to save a life. But um, right now, we don't have any laws in place federally for anything like that. So it's gun owner's own responsibility to uh, lock them up. Yeah, I was arguing, not arguing. I was uh, (laughs) conversing with someone today on uh, Facebook about this, and uh, she was saying how, you know, us gun violence prevention people, us people who don't like guns, just need to get more spine. You know, we need to toughen up, eat red meat. And you know, I reminded her that the victims of the violence are innocent. They're children. They're people, largely people who take the gun and kill themselves. So, yeah, you know, it's great if you want to be responsible and you need a gun to defend yourself. I've also told the same people, 
get a dog. <laughs> right. It's a, a lot safer. Uh, yeah, you're you're 20 times more likely as a, a gun owner to um, to be killed by your gun. So, um, yeah, like you mentioned, suicide itself is the major problem. And because we have we don't discuss suicide in in enough in our media about it, we have seen more gun owners recently starting to describe how suicide has affected them. But most of the time, a lot of distractions go to underserved communities. A lot of the distraction of the gun violence problems is within someone else. But it's actually predominantly uh, white straight men or white men of, of middle age who are, are kill themselves because of access to a gun. Yeah, access. And in this season and every season, Gays Against Guns urges you to have the courage to resolve conflicts without weapons and to act responsibly by storing weapons unloaded and locked up and storing ammunition separately. And the National Suicide Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. If you know anyone who's thinking of harming themselves, if you're having dark thoughts, Call the National Suicide Hotline. That's 1-800-273-8255. Grab your phone, not your gun, right? Yeah, stay safe. So you're listening to Radio Gag, the Gays Against Gun Show, here on listener-sponsored commercial-free radio, WBAI. We are privileged to be here every Tuesday evening at 6.30 p.m., bringing you the latest from the gun violence prevention movement. Gays Against Guns is urging our listeners to keep free speech radio alive. So uh, any tax-deductible donation to WBAI 99.5 FM would be appreciated. You're not only contributing to enjoy this stellar broadcasting, but also... Uh, receive goodies like a WBI logo face mask um, as a thank you for your contribution. Any contribution is welcome and very much appreciated. Become a Radio Gag buddy in the name of Radio Gag. Visit WBAI.org or go old school and send in a check made payable to WBAI Pacifica to 388 Atlantic Avenue, Brooklyn, New York 11217. Again, visit WBAI.org or give to WBAI. That's give to WBAI and support WBAI right now. Ty, tell us, why are you a WBAI buddy? Well, I, I keep asking people on uh, on our show to be one, so I had to kind of put my money where my literal mouth is as well. Um, I, I want to keep uh, these stories available um, I think there's great programming for for people that it's not has nothing to do with selling anything on TV. We, we're, no, we're not. The programs aren't geared towards anything other than giving you a new perspective and a new outlook. Great, and I'm a WBAI listener and a supporter too. Now, after this break, we're coming up with our feature. The Biden-Harris transition team talks with gun violence prevention, prevention advocates. Okay, that's the Biden-Harris transition team talks with gun violence prevention advocates coming right up.
This week, we discuss the future of the gun violence prevention movement. We are in an historic time. Never before in our transition to a new administration have we had a presidential team that is asking for participation from the advocates of gun violence prevention. Ty, you've been on weekly calls that the Biden-Harris transition team is conducting with gun violence prevention groups. How does it feel to be at that table where gun policy for the coming four years will be developed? Well, Sarah, it feels great. Um, we've collaborated with the GVP groups before. We've been on a, a national call, a table, and listening to how people dedicating themselves uh, to achieve federal gun control laws, it, it's, it's very empowering. It's so much more hope. But now the outreach team is asking us for our input. So they're, they're sort of sitting at our table. Um, now they're not coming out in, in, with any press and they're not, they're not making any policies yet. They're just sitting with people to ask where, what kind of information they need. So we're, we're providing them with as much as we, we can from all of our different perspectives. And I, I guess I can't quote them. You know, I, I'm not here to, to say what they're going to do. I'm just telling you that we are talking to them and they're asking us, which is a complete different mindset than I thought we would be in. Um, but every time we have a high profile shooting or a mass shooting, there's this feeling, especially when you're in this movement, that something's got to change soon. Um, and there have been some great uh, changes in especially state laws and a few things that we've seen over the last few years, but not much on federal change. So that the administration is listening to us for guidance, uh, for their policy ideas, for their um, the way that they are doing an intersectionality approach um, is just so much. I feel like I'm here. I feel like we're here. Okay, now we finally people are finally listening that we'll get something done. Great, great, great. And I want you to tell us more about intersectionality. Uh, but you've been talking about Amber Goodwin. She is acting as a liaison from the movement to the Biden-Harris team. And she has a national presence founding organizations such as Community Justice Action Fund and developing the Giffords organization. She's respected in the community by violence interrupters and advocacy groups and works to develop policy at a national level. So tell us some more about what is intersectionality? So the way that we were sort of approached is we were given several main issues. And they said, hey, pick a few of these that you would be interested in either getting newsletters or, or being part of, of these calls, these weekly calls. Um, and gun violence touches on a lot of them. If you look at criminal justice, if you look at uh, health care, um, HUD, all of these things, gun violence is uh, – mixed in and interlaced. So the fact that they can see that uh, and it gets brought up in all of these other discussions, uh, it just gives you the feeling that, okay, this is being dealt with in the proper way. It's not just one incident. It's not just, okay, these people will be separate. I think they're really showing how this, the transition team is showing me how the, the future administration is not just listening, but working the right way together to solve um, all these problems that we have in our country. Uh, what is the team doing about domestic terrorism? There's scary stuff fomenting in the opposition, the so-called gun rights groups, a march planned before the inauguration. Even even today, the news about the right. um, protester, not even protesters, these guys are there breaking windows and intimidating people with guns in Oregon in their state legislature. 
Right. I actually brought this up today um, because there is a planned um, national arm protest. It's scheduled in January. And I was, I'm like, first, do you know about it? This is here's some heads up. But all of the other uh, prevention groups, we've been discussing this. Um, and I feel I, like I said, I can't tell you what their plans are, but they're they're listening to. They're listening to all of our suggestions and all of our um, input with a way. To, here's another example. Amber said, here's my phone number. If you really need to talk to us, you know, as the outreach, um, call me. Don't call me in the middle of the night. She's like, but please, you know, let us know. So all of these things are on the table. I think what's great about what they're doing is painting a picture of where all the problems are connected to make sure they're doing the right planning and the right policies to, to affect everything in the right way, which we've seen go wrong in this country. We've seen how um, attacking drugs and having a drug war has gone wrong. Um, so things like that. I, I'm, I'm very, very excited for uh, future calls and I'm more excited about, um, you know, them being an administration and not just a uh, transition. Yeah, making connections. When have we heard that in the last four years? It's been all about division. So uh, tell us about the demands or the uh, letter that 70 All gun right. violence prevention groups signed on to. This is a coalition, right? What are they asking for? So last month, and I brought this up on the show as well, we sent a letter to the transition team saying we um, we want the new administration to declare gun violence prevention, you know, gun violence as a public health crisis. Uh, we, we listed off things, strengthening background check systems. You know, we know that if if nothing comes back in the allotted amount of time for a a background check, you get the gun anyway. Uh, there's it's, it's a time limit. So um, enhancing oversight of the gun industry, um, obviously measures to end police violence. This is where the in intersectionality comes out. Um, Domestic and international gun trafficking is a big deal for us in New York. Uh, we've been bringing this up where, you know, I think almost nine out of 10 guns in crimes in New York are from out of state. Um, the fact that everyone can use Chicago as just a, a violent place when there are no gun stores in Chicago, that brings gun trafficking to uh, that topic to the table. Uh, firearm suicide is, as we it's unfortunately the most successful uh, form of suicide and there's no um, taking back. So that has to be addressed. Uh, safety for students. Um, I, just the amount of fear that a child could have in a school who hasn't had any problems with guns, but they have people banging on doors and locking them in closets instead of keeping guns out of the, the hands of the wrong people. Um, and obviously disarming armed white supremacists. I think that's our, our next battle. Um, and then, you know, the peaceful protest with guns and, and you know, if you're going to have a peaceful protest, it should be protected. You shouldn't have people from out of state come in and kill you because you're protesting um, or, or voting as, as we had. Thank you so much, Ty, for reporting about this. Everybody's excited about it. And believe me, we need a little bit of hope at the end of 2020. <laughs> so thanks. I really appreciate you reporting on this. No, I, I'm completely honored to to listen to what everybody's saying. I'm completely blown away with uh, the amount of work people have been doing for decades. So, I mean, for me to be in gag for over you know four years is is one thing, but for people who have been working on this, who are survivors, uh, to be able to tell their stories and 
to such sensitive and understanding and intelligent dynamic people is it should have been a better feeling. I should have just gone, Oh, I can't believe I'm here, but you know, I'm standing looking at my computer like everybody else. So it's, it's hard to feel that great moment, but I, I, I know it's, it's, it's coming. So I'm yeah. um, elated. Can I say that? I'm just, elated. <laughs> yes, you can. I, I never We're used big words it. like that <laughs> Yeah. to describe myself. I mean, well, thanks a lot. Listeners. This is Radio Gag, the Gays Against Gun Show on WBAI 99.5 FM. We're here every Tuesday at 6.30 with the latest on the gun violence prevention movement that is fighting the American gun violence epidemic. Ty, can you take us out? Tell us about how to become a member of Gag. Sure. So we have... Uh, a gazeagainstguns.net, which is our main webpage. You could follow us at Gaze Against Guns New York on Facebook and Instagram. And then on Twitter, we're Gag No Guns. So all three of those, or four, all four of those is, is the best way to find out what we are doing next. And we also have meetings on Zoom every other Thursday. Okay. But if you want to find more information, um, check out the social media platforms and see how we can contribute. We, we have fundraising going on right now as well. Tell us about the fundraiser, Gagathon fundraiser. I know. We just we decided to do like a a retro telethon, and it's a Gagathon, um, but it's going to last a month. So I'm we're slowly putting up performances from New York cabaret and New York uh, performers who just haven't had the opportunity to perform, and I wanted to get their names out there, and they were generous enough with their time to um, film some great. Right now we have holiday stuff that's on there for this the next couple of weeks. And then um, in January, we'll, we'll do New Year's stuff. But it's just a simple way to donate. You know, it's just like, you know, call now to donate, you know, a pledge, but it's texting. So you would text gag. Um, and if you were able to text gag to 50155, you know, you would get a, a message back. But the the page itself, the link is on all of our social media right now. It's a gagathon. So I'm excited about that too. It's it's taking up most of my time <laughs> other than other than work in case my boss is listening. Yeah. So it's happening right now. We can go to it tonight. <laughs> Absolutely. Um we have I think I have four videos for uh that are coming up uh right now. So it it's basically going to be like sections of a telethon. So it's obviously uh, we're not there live, um, which I was just tired of getting entertained through Zoom, um, seeing some of the more, most talented people in the world coming up with clever ways to entertain us. But I really wanted to kind of give it more of a feel like you were in a venue. So here and there, there's like some you know fake applause and so forth, but it's just for fun. But yet we have some very, very informative sections as well of what GAG does and, and what um, support does for us and where... Um, where we can go in the future now that we are part of this bigger movement with our country instead of just these grassroots guys looking for uh, anyone to listen to us. Okay, listeners, you are a part of it. And we are going to leave you now uh, with our fabu fabulous political singing quartet, Sing Out Louise, with uh, Rudolph the Victim. Get ready. Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer Would be pulling Santa's sleigh But the catcher and dancer lost it And shot the little fellow dead And the old crazy reindeer Can walk to a damn gun show Nobody checks their background To sell them up to ammo 
On that tragic Christmas Eve, Santa cried and screamed. His anger cracked, the old North Pole, why can't we have some gun control? All of the reindeer miss him, they wish the world could be gun free. Rudolph the gunshot victim, such a star.